Hey everybody, I'm Alec, this is Lunchbox Radio, and this week we're talking about a show called Aka 13 Territory Inspection. Oftentimes when you talk about anime, you inevitably end up on different forms of art like Sumi or Disney cartoons or or just a general idea of animation which in anime terms is usually referred to as sakuga which is like all, being all about animation and like a really particular type of perfect animation um but something that anime draws a lot from more than I think a lot of people realize or give it credit for is Art Nouveau. And Art Nouveau is this style of art that was used a lot in the 21st century and was really a very commercialized style of art. It's meant to be uh, very illustrated, but at the same point, it it feels like advertising a lot of times because it was that I I myself have an original Art Nouveau print and a blow and a blown up poster of Salon Descent, which is a famous Alphonse Musha print. I have a less famous original Alphonse Musha print, but I found that when I was traveling abroad and bought it for $15, found out it's worth a lot more. But, um, the style is is definitely there, and part of it is the kind of the kind of ultra-simplified, ultra-perfected, clean style of anime, and, um, the same kind of style for Art Nouveau or tr- traditional Art Nouveau illustrations are very similar, but other times you see shows like, and I'm not making any judgments on the show, I've seen parts of it and I don't think it's very good, but people see it and they love it, so good for them. Um, a show called Elf and Lead. Elf and Lead is fairly obsessed with a particular Art Nouveau painting, I think it's called The Lady in Gold, that's a pretty famous demonstration of, like, this is what one of the things that Art Nouveau can look like. Um, but the reason why I want to talk about this style up front is because it really influences very heavily, in my opinion, the styling of Akka, um which just, it has this very simplistic style, but it's got a very, but it's very stark, and it's very, it doesn't, it, you don't perceive it as flat, but you feel it's a flatness there. Um, but now that we've gotten past, like, the stylistics of the show, which it, like I said, it looked, if you've ever seen an Art Nouveau print, and you're like, I would watch that in motion, Akka is a good place to start. It's a, it's really beautifully done. 
It has um, it has a really impressively amazing soundtrack, in my opinion. The opening song, like, gets you ready for the kind of show it is. The 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 episode to episode, the like general episode to episode ending, is not in my opinion super strong, but the ending that they use for the entire show is like a real knockout way to go out for that show and it's really well done but in terms of the plot this is a fairly unique show for two reasons A it is a government drama it's uh, like it's by by episode 3 it's got itself all wrapped up in spies and, like, all this, like, Michigas with all of the different parts of government and how they interact and how they don't want to interact. And, like, a coup d'etat is happening. Um, but the basic setup of this show is there is a kingdom that was united of 13 different, ter- of 13 different essentially, countries that then become essentially like states in the United States, but they're referred to as territories. So, each territory has its own, has its own autonomy, but they all work under the banner of one country, much like the United States. Um, but, the, it, the difference here is that there's a king. So there is a king... But then under the king, and under the king and the royal family, there is this basically wholesale government bureaucracy that helps keep everybody doing the right thing and going through the right processes, and that's called ACA, or it's referred to as ACA, I forget the, they, they just refer to it as ACA, I'm not I don't entirely remember what the what it is an abbreviation of but the whole that so that whole bureaucracy is where the show is focused and it's focused in particular on this one odd character who I I think the show is really clever to do this he you you understand that he's not He's not, like, a foot soldier in the, like, government organization, but he's not, he's clearly not the, like, top of the pile. He's, like, two-fourths are under him, and he's, like, in the three-fourths section of, like, the operating hierarchy. And that's because he is an inspection officer for the all the different Akka branches. So his job is to go from branch to branch, running inspections, and, like, making sure that everything's above board. And I think it's by episode two. Actually, I think it's episode... It's either episode one or two where you find out that he does uncover things, and he does uncover, like, plots and corruption... Um, all up and down the board, like, things, like, the first, he discovers things, like, 
you know, a, in that episode, I think he discovered that basically one of the government, one of the members of that branch is helping the black market to peddle cigarettes. And uh, it's really interesting because he, in this in the show, the main character smokes and it's, it just, it's actually portrayed the way smoking used to be portrayed. And, like, if you look at Cowboy Bebop, smoking looks like a very cool thing. But the way that the culture has acted towards smoking has uh, been steered away from being as quote-unquote cool. But in this show, it's portrayed also as being a sign that the person doing it is rich. So, because of taxes, trade, all that stuff, the cost of tobacco is, like, through the roof. They make that really clear. Um, and one of the th- good, one of the really interesting things about the show is they use the surroundings very well. So, you learn that Gene, the main character, is at the very least perceived as being very wealthy and and lives very well off because you what in the first episode it one of the very first I think the second scene he walks past a, a crowd of people and they and somebody and you hear an offhand remark go wow those things are expensive and he's just smoking them on the street holy crap he must must be good to be him um and also, the the this air that he gets just from being like high up in the governmental like system of just he's always traveling. He has his expenses paid for travel by the government, and like other branches take him out to like these big dinners. And that's the other thing about... That's the second thing I want to get to about this show. Is that it is... Not so quietly a, like, a foodie anime. It's not like a food show like Food Wars or, like, um, Yakitake Japan or any of those. But it is a foodie anime. Like, the characters in this all appreciate good food. And they... They all, like, the culture, the culture of the show, not really of the, of the universe in the show, but of the show kind of quietly or not so quietly revolves around food. They always make sure to focus on, like, a plate of food and, like, show you what they're eating and show you how they're eating it. Um, and... They always have conversations around, like, around food and, like, the characters mention it all the time. And it's not always complicated food, which is really interesting. It it is, there are moments where the food is very complex and very gorgeous, but there are also moments where the food is very simple. And it's just presented as being, like, here's this kind of, wonderfully made bread that's just been toasted. Isn't it awesome? Um, which I really appreciate because 
lots of food anime, and this is a thing that Food Wars does and doesn't do, focuses on, like, the over-preparedness of, like, beautifully luscious, awesome food. And this show says, like, yeah, there is that stuff, but there's also just, like, sandwich bread. And there is a character that gets obsessed with sandwich bread in this show, which is really hilarious. But in addition to that, they also use food to demonstrate people's cultures. Like, um, there is a, there is a character in the show, her name, her, her name's Mauve, and for all intents and purposes, she's French. And not just French, she's Parisian, basically. And they have a scene where Jean basically, when she asked Jean to go out to dinner with her, and he said yes, because this woman is portrayed as being absolutely gorgeous, and she is absolutely gorgeous, and she's very mysterious, and not... She's very mysterious, pretty, and she kind of knows it. She kind of knows that she looks good, and she knows... And she wears clothes well, and all that. Um, but you find out, you find out that she's basically Parisian when he takes her, when she asks him to to dinner, and she takes him to this like high end French restaurant. And when I say that she's Parisian, I don't mean that the show takes place in, like, a real-world setting where they say, like, okay, France somehow ended up in this, like, weird configuration. They more... It's clear that all of the different territories in this show were based off of different countries. Like, you... You meet characters who are clearly French, who characters who are clearly American. There is a whole sec a whole important section of the show that is spent with characters who are clearly Native American and like what that means and what it means to have that heritage and how that heritage plays into decision making. Uh, the show is a very, very, very political show, but it avoids the, like, pitfalls of a show like Gate or a show like Terra and Resonance, which are also very political shows, and they have political messages, they have political, they have things to say about politics by making the whole thing a complete fantasy, like, by taking it out of the world and saying, like, okay, what if this this country and this country were next to each other, and what if, like, Saudi Arabia was over here, and, like, France was o- and Paris was over here, and, like, what if New York were just wholly supplanted here, and what if, like, Germany was over here, and it's, it's done very carefully, and the universe of the show m- make, gives you an, a, 
lets you believe that, like, okay, this one country is this one, this one part of this country this way, but right over here is totally different. And they strike that balance really well, and like I said, because it is a fantasy, it doesn't run into the pitfalls of feeling preachy like, um... Terran Resonance does. Terran Resonance, if you've never seen it, is a very specific left-leaning point of view and was made for a very specific reason. Or Gate, which I tend to I tend to like. Uh, that show is entertaining to me, but what it has to say about like, the military, and militarism, and how good, and how good that is, is very one-sided, um, the, what's the word, the show, um, Samurai Flamenco, if anybody's ever seen that, if you haven't seen that show, I encourage you to Go take that ride. I think you can watch it. Uh, I know you can watch it on Crunchyroll. I think you can also watch it on Hulu and Funimation. But um, that that show has some major opinions about different things in politics and society. But those shows all ostensibly take place in the real world. So they're they're hamstrung by tying themselves to basically the modern day at, at the time they were made, um, at, or being made in direct response to things like nine eleven or crit or criticism or ill feelings towards the military or um. So, like, the superhero genre and what it means to be a superhero and what it means to be a vigilante in the 21st... in the actual real-world 21st century for a while. Um... But... This show, by creating its own universe and firmly giving you piece-by-piece kind of the rule of its universe, lets you sit in it and watch it and see all of the points it's trying to make very clearly because it doesn't try to make them while also dealing with the way the real world would handle it. It says, like, there's a territory in the show that is basically totally controlled and oppressed and, like, pressed into the shape it's in because it is, it is mandated that, like, it, this is a traditional part of the, it's a traditional state, it work, it, it always works like this, it will always work like this, you're not allowed to have this, this is banned in the state, um, there is a, there is a, like I said, there is a, state that is almost basically a 
Indian reservation, and one of the major one of the major characters of the show comes from that reservation, and they explain why he is the way he is in relation to why he why he comes from there in the in relation to why that is based on his cultural heritage and they explain how he came to have his current position based on what he did in his like home quote unquote home territory or home state or home reservation whatever you want um but the show the show sets this all up and it handles it very elegantly um but the basically the show introduces you to Gene and they give you his nickname which is the cigarette peddler and that's because cigarettes in this show are very are very expensive they're like hardly anybody ever smokes them but they are seen as like a as like not just like as a treat but like as this high-end expensive privilege of the wealthy. So there are tons of people who would smoke them but don't because they can't they can't afford them or like they only have a couple left. And Gene's trademark is basically carried around a cigarette case and if you ask him for a cigarette, he'll give one to you usually. Um and that plays into the show because in his inspections, he starts to base. He basically starts to get these different cigarettes from different regions of the country. Like he'll get a brown one here and a black one there, and like a red one with a blue band there and a blue one with a yellow band there. And like he, the idea is that he's slowly getting thirteen different cigarettes that represent each territories support of a coup d'etat meaning that someone someone unbeknownst to him had set him up as the instigator and the go-between and maybe even the like fuse that lights the match of a coup d'etat of a revolution that unseats the royal family and abolishes it completely permanently, and then raises the Aka the the and then makes the like government that keeps the country running the like end all be all of the country. Basically, make gets rid of the monarchy. And makes like a collective dictatorship, if that makes any sense, or or makes like a republic happen, basically. Um, and you're given the reason to believe by the show this might be a good thing because the king is this old, is this ninety nine years young, as they pose it in the show. Um, man who has been king for almost a century, obviously, but his grandson, because that's the, that was the first male in the, like, 
family tree since him is going to be king. Is is next in line to the throne, and what he wants to do is is get rid of Akka and make it a complete and perfect monarchy where he is the person who called all the shots all the time. And the show says that's not really a problem. Except for the fact that this kid is a pompous asshole. And he is he is only chief he's chiefly he's chiefly concerned with being worshipped and being pandered to and all that crap. Much like many politicians right now, which I find really interesting. Um because this this show came out kind of it came out alongside the 2016 elections and everything that was going on. Um, but the... That character... So, so someone so someone in the show, they, ne- they do a really good job of hiding who and hiding exactly why, is setting up a coup d'etat. To basically overthrow the, you think at first to overthrow the monarchy, and Gene is set up as this like, basically this. He's set up to be this go-between because he not only knows the districts intimately because he's visited them many times, but he regularly goes to each district and the show comes in on him having to inspect each district do a full inspection basically in like 12 months or whatever so he goes from district to district to district to district and he spends a certain amount of time in each district and he gets a cigarette from each district you come to realize that he doesn't quite know what's going on. <laughs> he just thinks that, like, because to him, them giving him a cigarette from the district, he is well known as be as being someone who smokes and like carries around a cigarette case. So he gets. So he just thinks at first he thinks like, oh, that's odd. I wonder who sent it to me. I guess I'll save it. It's like a cool thing, and then he keeps getting them. Before much longer, you realize you and he realizes that like these cigarettes mean something. I don't know what they are, but I should keep accepting them because I don't know what they mean. And then later, you find out that you find you at this point you know about the coup d'état. Later, you find out that he is a a kind of long separated member of the royal family and you realize oh someone is trying to set him up to take over the throne instead of the kind of pompous grandson because he is he is technically first in line to his throne and then eventually you realize that all of the like machinations and like plots that were being hatched are all at the whims of one of the five chief 
officers. And that chief officer is basically making a play so his family can control the country with their oil with their oil reserves. And it they do it all slowly enough where you'll slowly enough where you'll never see it coming. <laughs> and the whole show throws you for a loop pretty quickly. At, in, in like a pretty quick succession and it does it in a way that's believable. It does it in a way where you understand like, oh, oh, holy crap. And you see why they have all the different building blocks they do specifically because they need to present you with all the pieces where all the stuff that they're telling you is true seems like A, it could be true, but B, here are the reasons why. Instead of some shows that say like, oh, like, Terror Residence is a perfect example of this. Like, the main characters in in that show are like, basically child child super soldiers who failed child super soldiers. But they never present that in a clear way. They never sit, they never take the viewer through in any way why that mattered or who really made it possible or why these child soldiers needed to exist at all. So, like, that revelation just feels like, oh, what a twist! It feels very M. Night Shyamalan-y unearned. Um, but, in Akka, they introduce you all these characters and they give you little bits in pieces constantly. Actually, this is... This is a show where I would recommend... Usually I don't... It doesn't really matter to me either way people watch any of these shows. But I would recommend that you watch this dubbed. Because they give you so many little pieces of just conversation that then matter down the line. Like, um, chief... Like, the chief officer who basically set this whole thing in motion is Lillian. And he is the chief officer who is from basically Saudi Arabia. And it's... Basically, it people tell you over time that his family has slowly been acquiring, acquiring political power and industrial power over time and and yes he and not only is he a chief officer but one of his brothers is a branch manager so he's his family has been weaving itself into Akka slowly for a while and then you find out that he basically has control over Grothler through a series of like events and you also find out that Grofler was the person to deal with Jean's parents' death. And you also find out, you, you, it's made clear that Jean and his sister, who he lives with, are 
their parents are dead and blah 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 blah. Um, but they take it all slowly. They take it all, like I said, slowly enough that you won't see it coming, and also, but when you it does present itself to you, you realize, oh, this is this is like this is the actual story behind all these people and how it all connects, and it does it really skillfully. And I think it's it has the kind of conspiratorial quality in government that oftentimes people want to believe it's there. They, like, the people want to believe that the, like, this... <laughs> uh, I always refer to it, people want to believe in U.S. government that somehow Abraham Lincoln is alive and he's fighting a shadow war with remnants of Nazis and <laughs> the Confederate Army. People basically want... People want uh, are very willing to believe the Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter scenario of U.S. government because the reality is never really that exciting. The reality is, you know, people do things in government basically to benefit themselves and people like them. So when you elect when you elect somebody who is a billionaire. They will do things that benefit billionaires. Because they are trying to do things that will benefit them. Everybody wants to change government to benefit them. If, if you talk to a Democrat, they will say, like, I want this, this, and this. And if you ask them why and you really dr drill down into it, it has something to do with what they believe. And ultimately, it will benefit them in, like, justifying those beliefs somehow, or protecting them, or directly benefiting them. If you talk to uh, many cancer patients, they'll be Democrats, because they want health insurance so they can afford... They want health insurance or public health care so they can afford to continue living. It's as simple as that. If you talk to a banker who... And it's not even about money necessarily. Who spends all day dealing with tons of regulations and tons of red tape. They are oftentimes likely to vote Republican because they just want to get that stuff out of the way. They want to make their lives easier. And that is chiefly what Aka of trades in it. It shows that, like, yes, there are people who totally believe in the system and they believe in all the good in the world, but more often than not, generally, people want to do good for themselves above all. The idea in Aka is that while people, is that, like, yes, people are great together, but they also believe that pe while people are greatest together, they believe that they will be greatest alone. And that they, they all 
take part in the like togetherness of it until they can find a way to advance themselves further. Um, but it's it's a really interesting show. It is really beautifully made. Um, it's got a manga that I think is done by Monglobe. But um, the same people who did House of Five Leaves. Um, and he he does really interesting stuff with every manga he makes. Like, the House of Five Leaves, I'm told, is really interesting and fascinating. I just have never sat all the way through it. Um, and that's more a failing on my part, I suppose. But definitely go check it out. And if you like this show... If you like this episode of this show, you should probably check out more of it. There's a, a bunch of episodes more of it, um, including an episode, uh, two most pop, my two most popular episodes on Nar- on Boruto, um, and my episode on Yuri on Ice. So you can check those two out in. Um, in the feed as well. If you're on iTunes, it should give you those. It's like the most popular ones. Um, and also, you, I've got episodes and things like Blood Blockade Battlefront, um, Ancient Magus Bride, um, Napping Princess. I've got all kinds of stuff for you to check out. So check those out. Um, but you can also subscribe to this podcast and you'll get a new one every Friday. Um, and, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Alex Holt Cohan. It's actually on the, um, album art for this show, but I will also include it in the show notes so you can check it out. Um, until next week, I have been Alex. We talked about Akka 13 Territory Inspection today. And I will see you next week.